Y'all have been with us now for six weeks in a, uh, the series that we've had that you see on the screen called Kingdom Culture. And uh, I don't know about you guys, but I've really been enjoying this series. And uh, to kind of just give a little bit of a preface on what this Kingdom Culture series is, uh, it, it's basically, it breaks down like this. God is the creator of the universe and everything that we see, everything that we know, uh, and this physical world that we live in. And in addition to that, there's also a spiritual kingdom that God has dominion over that affects our natural world. So that's kind of been part of what we've been discussing uh, and how that relates to us. And so as Christ followers, we are citizens of that spiritual kingdom. And through Christ, he has given us the keys to that kingdom and grants us spiritual authority to this physical world to, to speak over it, that it would line itself back up with God's spiritual kingdom as we line ourselves back up with God's spiritual kingdom. And he's given us dominion over that. And then collectively as we, as a body of believers, line ourselves up with God's spiritual kingdom, we therefore create a kingdom culture that has force and that has impact and that has influence over this physical world collectively. So that's kind of been just the, the breakdown of, of an overarching view of what this series has been about, that there's a physical world that we live in, but in addition to that, there are spiritual principles that have dominion over the physical world that we live in. And, and as believers, whenever we begin to line ourselves up with that, miraculous and powerful things can happen. But there's kind of a power struggle, a tug of war that's going on. Uh, and it's a, it's a spiritual battle that sometimes you see it with your physical eyes, sometimes you don't see it with your physical eyes, uh, where God's kingdom is, is coming up against and battling against the physical world and the brokenness of it. And Romans 8 kind of describes this a little bit. I really like this verse, uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 19. It says, The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. For against its will, the universe itself has had to endure the empty futility resulting from the consequences of human sin. But now, with eager expectation, all creation longs for freedom from its slavery to decay and to experience with us the wonderful freedom coming to God's children. And then a, a couple of verses later, it says this in 8:25 and 26. It says, so our hope is set on what is yet to be seen. We patiently keep on waiting for its fulfillment, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. So that kind of further explains what this kingdom culture is about. How many of you can agree that we live in a broken world, right? Where things don't always go as they're supposed to go, where, where things happen and, that, are, that are unfair, that are unexplainable, that are just not right. And, and Romans chapter 8 is talking about this, that the world that we live in was subjected to futility, to needless pain because of human sin and because of our, our sinful condition. But we are all waiting for the day. And I love how it says in the very beginning, the entire universe is standing on tiptoe, waiting for the revealing of the sons and the daughters of God. And so that's kind of what this, this has been about. We've been in this uh, series for six weeks. This is the seventh, seventh week. And then for the last couple of weeks specifically, two weeks ago, last week, and then this week again, we've been talking specifically about sonship, which is, we, we've, we discussed this, that the Bible calls it 
sons of God, but it, it relates to just a level of maturity, not necessarily men or women. So sons and daughters of God. So we've been talking about that for two weeks now. Romans 8, again, talked about that. It says that the universe is waiting for the, the unveiling of God's sons and daughters. And so uh, two weeks ago, we talked just in general about the differences in relationship as children of God and the different levels and the stages of that. Um, and so there's a couple of different stages that we talked about that we covered just in general that week. Uh, the first stage is that whenever we're born into God's kingdom, we're just spiritual infants. We're just spiritual babies, right? And then from there, we move on to apprentices as we go on this journey of discipleship. And then the, the third stage, Devin, if you want to put it up, I have a slide for this right here. The third stage is that moving on from apprenticeship, we become mature sons. And in the fourth stage is that we are complete and perfect. So four stages of, of development in God's kingdom, more or less. Now, I want to be clear about this, kind of recapping back to two weeks ago. These four stages are not stages of acceptance by God. Okay, when the, the moment that we're born into God's kingdom, we are forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ and we are accepted. Okay, these are not four stages of blessing by God. These are not four stages of forgiveness or favoritism by God. But these are, however, four stages of responsibility and maturity in God's kingdom. And there is a difference there. So from the moment you are born into God's kingdom, you are, you are fully and holy his child. You are forgiven. You are 100% loved. Just like that last song we sang, Jaira, that I cannot be more loved than I am right now by God. It's not possible, right? But there are different stages of maturity. And so for the last couple of weeks, we've been covering that and talking about what those stages looked like. Uh, and then last week, we, we dug a little bit deeper into uh, some things that characterize mature sons of God. And, and, and two things that we dove into specifically was that sons of God are peacemakers. They create unity between believers. Sons of God create unity between believers. And then the second thing was that sons of God, mature sons of God, show others how to have peace with God. They show others how to have peace with God. Not necessarily that being a mature son creates peace within the world because we saw last week that, that oftentimes our relationship with God will cause us to have division with the principles of the world because there's a spiritual battle going on, right? But mature sons of God show others how to have peace with God. So this week I do want to talk about sonship again. And I want to dive a little bit deeper into the concept of what mature sonship looks like. Mature uh, relationship with God looks like. And I want to talk specifically about some key indicators uh, of mature sonship. As well as a few things that are misunderstood that are not indicators of mature sonship that we often think are. Uh, so I want to read a scripture to you from Romans uh, chapter 8. And this will be verse 29 and 30. And it says this, it says, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And having chosen, having chosen them, he called them to come to him and having called them, he gave them right standing with himself and having given him, given them right standing, he gave them his glory. 
So the scripture alone is encouraging, right? Just reading that. It talks about being a part of God's family, that we are born into God's family, that we are welcome, that we are accepted, that, that Jesus is the firstborn among many brothers and sisters that are adopted into the kingdom of God. And then it speaks of being chosen and called, which implies that, that in the kingdom that God gives us purpose, that God gives us something valuable to offer, that he gives us something to do. And then it speaks of him giving right standing with him, which is, which is him showing us relationship and, and a path towards growth and maturity. And then the last line it says here is that having done all of these things, having welcomed them into his kingdom, having called you and given you a purpose, having given you a relationship with him, then he gave us his glory. He gave them his glory. Now, we often associate this word glory with praise, with worship, with honor, with giving accolades, you know, holding something in high esteem. That's kind of how we often associate that word glory. But if you translate that word to, to the original Greek, we often, we often lose a little bit of meaning in words whenever we translate them from the original language to our English language. And it often helps to have a little bit more of an explanation of what was originally intended by the words written in their original language. So the, the word that was used here for glory is called doxa. And that word doxa is not by itself related to praise or glory or worship or honor. Rather, that word is related to the proper assessment of the subject that you were looking at. So obviously, we associate the word glory with praise and honor because whenever we're often speaking of glory, we're talking about God. We're talking about giving God glory, right? The reason for that is because whenever we properly assess God, it leaves us with no choice but to give him the honor that he is due but to give him the praise that he is due. So that word doxa being used there is not about the honor and the praise that we give. It's about the proper assessment of the subject that you're looking at. So looking at this verse, it's saying that God is giving us glory. Does that mean that God is worshiping or praising or honoring us? Not necessarily, no. That, that's not what this verse is speaking of. It's talking about God properly assessing us and properly assessing who we are as believers. And so it says this, or one thing I wanted to, to kind of remind you guys of, if you've been attending this church for more than two months, you have heard Pastor JJ say this before, that glory relates to the weight of the kingdom of God. And glory is related, a word picture that he's often used is like, a weight being pressed into a clay, and whatever image is on that, that press that is pushing into the clay, the clay has to receive that image because it's, it submits to the weight of the clay. And that's kind of how he's described glory to us. So if we translate that uh, to what's going on here, that glory is, is not about you know the goosebumps that you feel when you're in God's presence. It's not the supernatural blessings of God. It's not, it's not praise and admiration, but glory is the weight of the kingdom pressing into our life to make our reality conform to the image of the king and his culture. So in this verse right here, what Paul is saying to the Romans is that, a mature ch that as a mature son, God has chosen you. And as a mature son, 
God has called you to come to him. And as a mature son, God has given you right standing and and relationship with him. And then lastly, you see up there that God has properly assessed our situation as a mature son and deemed us worthy and trusted us with carrying weight in his kingdom. That he gave us his glory, that he's trusted us with carrying weight. So that's the first point that I want you guys to think about to remember today is that mature sons carry weight in God's kingdom. You see, oftentimes we translate mature sonship and maturity as a believer to a lot of different things that I, that I think we, we put the wrong focus on. We, we relate mature sonship to tenure. How long have you been a believer? How long have you been a part of the church? How long have you been here? Mature sonship is not indicated necessarily by tenure and how long you've been here. Mature sonship is also not indicated by knowledge and how much you know about the Bible and how much scripture you can quote and, and how much you can, you, know, you can speak from memory. Mature, mature sonship is, not, is also not indicated by influence and how eloquent you are and how well you can speak and how well you can describe you know, the story of God. And these are often things that, that we assume translate to maturity in the kingdom of God. But this verse here is teaching us something different, that mature son- sonship is indicated by faithfully carrying weight in the kingdom of God. By faithfully carrying weight. And I want you to know today that weight in the kingdom translates to responsibility. I have a couple of verses from the Gospels that I just want to share with you where Jesus is is giving his disciples weight and training them and teaching them to carry weight in the kingdom as he prepares them to be mature sons of God that that can carry the kingdom after he leaves the earth. So the first verse is in Matthew chapter 13, verses 10 and 12, and he says this. And the disciples came to him and said to him, why do you speak to them in parables? And Jesus answered, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. For whoever has to him more shall be given, and he will have an abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. So Jesus is, is speaking to his disciples, and he oftentimes speaks to the crowds in a different way that he speaks to his disciples. He speaks in stories and word pictures to the crowds, but he speaks very clearly and plainly his, to his disciples in a different way. And they're asking him, Jesus, why do you speak differently to the crowds than you speak to us? And he says to them, there's a different level of maturity. There's a different level of responsibility and a different, different standard that I'm holding you to because you are becoming a mature son of God. And one thing he says here, that whoever, whoever has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance, but whoever does not have, it will be taken away from him. Oftentimes we use that part of the verse kind of standing by itself to speak to, to finances or blessings, right? I've heard a lot of people related that way. And it's it's very, very cool to think about the verse when you think about it that way, but when you flip that and you talk about weight and responsibility, it's, it's a little bit more heavy, isn't it? It's a, little bit more, um, it's a little bit more sobering to think about those who have weight and responsibility in the kingdom and those who are 
charged with carrying weight in the kingdom, more will be given to them. So mature sonship is about carrying weight. And we see Jesus pointing this out to his disciples. And then again, in Matthew chapter 16, verse 19, he's speaking to his disciples and he's talking about the revelation that he was the Messiah. And he says to them, I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. So Jesus is giving responsibility to his disciples as mature sons. But if we see here, he says, I will give you. It means he hasn't given it to them yet. He was training them. He was teaching them. He was growing them. He was maturing them in that process of discipleship to become mature sons that would carry weight in the kingdom. They weren't ready yet, but Jesus was giving them an opportunity to practice. He was preparing them for what was to come. So that's our first point today is that mature sons carry weight in the kingdom of God. And just thinking about things that carry weight in general, one thing that always impresses me that carries a lot of weight this is a kind of a, a, a gear shift here, but it, it, have you guys ever looked at trees and just thought about how big and magnificent they are and how much weight they carry? That trees carry a ton of weight. I was looking at a story, uh, or, or, or just looking in general to see how much does a tree weigh, right? Has anybody ever thought about that before? Like we drive around, we see these trees, and you're like, man, these trees are gigantic, I don't know that you can pick them up and put them on a scale, but how much do they weigh? And as I was looking at this, I came across this story uh, of this big oak tree that was 100 feet wide and 50 feet tall. And it was a historic oak tree in a town. Uh, and they were widening a roadway. And so they had to move this tree and made the choice to move this tree so that they wouldn't lose it, but they could still widen the roadway. And so this is, is a pretty amazing. Devin, if you want to throw that picture up. They, they dug underneath this tree, and out of metal I-beams, they built this sled, and with like three or four excavators and two bulldozers, they drug this tree a quarter of a mile and moved it, right? But because they did this, they were able, you know, through engineering and figuring out how much equipment they were going to need to move this tree, they were able to figure out how much this tree weighed. Anybody want to guess at how much this tree weighed? Oh, any wild guess? Somebody throw out one number. What do you think? Six tons. Uh, that's a, not quite there. The tree weighed 518,000 pounds. That's, that's including the roots and everything that you see there that they moved. 518,000 pounds. The oak tree had about a 40-inch diameter trunk. And, I mean, that's, that's a big tree, but I've seen bigger oak trees than that, right? I mean, I, I, I've seen trees that have, you know, five, six, seven foot diameter um, trunks that are huge. And so it's just amazing when you look at trees, when you, when you sit underneath them, when you look up at their canopy and you see some of these branches. Some of the branches on these trees are as big as trees by themselves, right? I mean, some of these branches have 18, 20 inch branches. There's trees that are that big. That's no small thing. And when you look at these oak trees, they're, they're carrying this weight through, you know, through wind, through storms. 
and, and they really don't waver, you know. They, they stand there, and day after day, year after year, I've never heard an oak tree complain. You know, they, they just, they carry this weight, and it's what they do. And it kind of reminds me of a verse from Jeremiah um, that I've read, and you've probably heard before, and it's Jeremiah 17, 7, and 8, and it says this, Blessed are those who trust in the Lord and have made the Lord their hope and confidence. They are like trees planted along a riverbank with roots that reach deep into the water. And such trees are not bothered by the heat or worried by long months of drought. Their leaves stay green and they never stop producing fruit. God desires for us to be mature believers that would carry weight like this in season and out of season. Now, there are a couple of key factors that allow trees like that to carry weight that well. One key factor, like we just read about in the verse of Jeremiah, is where are these trees planted? Are they planted in good soil? Or are they planted in, you know, in soil that, that has the ability to hold their roots? Are they planted in soil that's going to give them the, the nutrients and the resources that they need? They're not planted in a pot, right? They're not, they're not transplanted every couple of months to a new location, right? Have you ever taken a, you know, a, a plant or a tree and transplanted it to a new spot? What happens whenever you transplant it? For the first few days, it's kind of like it's injured, like leaves droop down, it gets sick. You kind of got to nurse it back to health. Trees that are transplanted over and over and over again and moved to different places, they can't grow to bear weight like that tree that we just looked at. They would be weak. They wouldn't grow to that level of strength, that level of maturity. Those trees are planted, they're committed, and they stay growing year after year, which enables them to reach that level of maturity where they can bear that weight without breaking, without cracking, without complaining. So that kind of brings me to my next point is that mature sons stay planted. Mature sons don't, you know, transplant themselves every couple of months to a new location. Mature sons, you know, are planted in good soil. And kind of translating that to spiritual terms is that in the kingdom of God, in order to reach that level of maturity where you can bear weight in the kingdom, you have to stay planted. You can't just pick up your roots and leave at the first sign of discomfort, at the first sign of difficulty. It's not always rainbows and sunshine in the kingdom, right? It's not always rainbows and sunshine in this church, right? If we're being honest, there, there's going to be times as a believer that the place that you are planted may step on your toes, may offend you, may brush you the wrong way. There may be things that are, that are done improperly to you because we're all human here. I'm human. The leaders of this church are human. Pastor JJ is human. Nobody's perfect but Jesus. But mature sons stay planted. Mature sons don't, don't pick up their bags and walk away just because their feelings got hurt. Now, I'm not saying your feelings aren't going to get hurt here. They, they probably will. But a sign of maturity is choosing to stay planted even when you're inconvenienced, even whenever things brush you the wrong way. Choosing to stay 
and build that relationship and ask yourself the tough questions and confront those difficulties within your life so that you can continue growing. God wants you to be a mature son and daughter of the kingdom. God wants you to grow to a level of maturity where you can bear weight. But in order to do that, you have to stay planted here. You have to stay planted. And I'm not even going to tell you point blank that you have to stay planted here. You have to make a choice where you stay planted. But if you keep bouncing around from place to place to place and don't find a place where you can grow roots and build yourself to maturity, you're never going to reach the call that God has on your life. Mature sons stay planted. And obviously we would invite you to plant yourself here. Many of you, I see your faces every week. I believe that you're planted. But I want to make sure that you understand that, that it, it doesn't even have to be here. I'm not trying to kick people out the doors. Please understand me, right? But wherever you choose to call your spiritual home, you have to remain planted there. Earlier I was speaking about Jesus preparing his disciples to bear the weight of the kingdom. And one thing about God is that he'll often give you an opportunity to practice bearing that weight. That's a good thing about God, right? He, he won't just drop something on you, a responsibility, and say, here, this is yours to carry from here on out. Sometimes it may feel that way, but oftentimes when we look back at our lives, God was allowing us to practice leading up to that season of maturity and carrying the weight. God allows us to practice. God allows us to, to, to pick up that weight and see how it feels and then maybe put it back down. Here's an example of Jesus letting his disciples practice carrying that weight in Luke chapter 10. And, and the first, first section is verse 1 to 3. And it says, After this the Lord appointed 72 others, and he sent them out two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. So that's in the beginning of the chapter. Jesus sends out 72 disciples and tells them to go and, and, and perform miracles to, you know, to, to basically extend the kingdom out into the world. He sends them ahead of them. And then down in verse 17, it says this. It says, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to your name. So basically the story goes that Jesus sent 72 disciples out. They went into the world carrying the power of God. They practiced carrying the weight of the kingdom. And then they came back to Jesus and reported that it worked, Jesus. We, we went out, we performed miracles, we cast out demons in your name, we healed the sick. He let them practice carrying weight. And this is something that we see time and time again throughout the Bible, that Jesus allows believers as they grow in maturity, to practice carrying weight to build that spiritual muscle. Now you see, one thing that, that you may be interested in here is that Jesus sent out 72 disciples. Anybody know that Jesus had more than just the 12 disciples? Maybe does that come as a, a little bit of a shock or something a little bit curious to you? Maybe you say, I thought there was, I thought there was just 12 disciples. Well, yes, Jesus did have 12 disciples, 
But even in addition to those 12 disciples, he also had a smaller circle of three disciples that, that he placed different levels of weight and responsibility on those three disciples that were very close to him. And then he had his 12 that traveled everywhere with him. And then we see here that he had 72 disciples that he sent out into the world because they were people that, that followed him. They, they listened to his teaching, but maybe they didn't follow him at the same level as the 12 did. And then there's other places in the, in the Gospels and into the book of Acts where we see that, that there's a mention of hundreds of disciples. There's another place that mentions 120 and, and then uh, uh, you know, a place in the, in the book of Acts that as they're preparing and, and praying for the Holy Spirit in the upper room that it talks about you know, hundreds of disciples waiting for the promise. And so we see in the kingdom that they're reinforcing the fact here that, that God does not have different levels of acceptance. God does not have different levels of love. God does not have different levels of invitation into the kingdom. But he does have different levels of responsibility and weight. And we see him handing out different responsibilities to his disciples as he sees fit to entrust them with that weight. And so I want to point out here that God gives us a chance to practice lifting that weight. But there's a difference between lifting and carrying weight. And mature sons don't just lift weight, they carry weight. Now, as you go throughout your journey, as you practice, as you're building that spiritual muscle, God will call you to lift weight. God will call you to, to make sacrifices. God will call you to, to join him in the journey. But mature sons don't just lift weight, they carry weight. And isn't there a different mindset around lifting weight than carrying weight? There's a different mindset around it, right? Have you ever seen uh, an Olympic bodybuilder pick up like a deadlift? Like they, they sometimes take minutes to get ready to, to lift this, this heavy bar. And they, they kind of just stand back and sometimes they'll just look at it for a couple of minutes and they'll just like stare at it, right? Like getting their mind ready. And then they'll walk up to it and they'll put their hands on it and they'll, they'll wiggle their feet a hundred times and get their feet in just the right spot to pick it up. And then after they do that, then they'll kind of drop their back and they'll, they'll wiggle their hands a little bit, moving their hands just a millimeter at a time until it feels just right. And then after they do all of that, then they kind of, sometimes you'll seem like they'll jerk up on the weight a little bit to kind of, kind of feel the, 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 the tense, you know, the tenseness of their muscles and, and kind of jerk up on a little bit and, you know, it's kind of sometimes this two or three minute process for them to lift this weight one time. And they, they get everything in just the right position to lift that weight. And it's, it's awesome to watch. It's, it's pretty cool. It's impressive to see these guys lift, you know, sometimes a thousand pounds off the ground with just their brute strength. But you're never going to see anybody carrying around an Olympic deadlift weight with them, right? You don't see anybody throwing a thousand pounds up on their shoulder and just going about their day, because there's a different mindset around lifting weight than carrying weight, right? The mindset with lifting weight is, I'm going to pick this up and I'm going to put it back down, either once or at least just a, a set number of times that I've already decided in my head, like maybe four times, maybe ten times, but I'm not going to pick this up and walk out of the gym with it and take it with me. I'm not carrying this weight. I'm just lifting it. But when you make a decision to carry weight, you're putting it on your shoulder, you're putting it on your back, you're taking it with you. you the, the mindset around carrying weight is that I'm going to take this and make it mine and I'm not going to put it down. 
there's an exercise that's kind of based around carrying weight that's called rucking. And this kind of comes from like military type of, of background. But people do it now just for exercise where they wear a backpack and they put some weight in it and they just walk. And it's recommended that you don't, you know, you start out with about 10 pounds, but you don't put more than a third of your body weight in this backpack, right? Which is, it, you know, it's really not a lot of weight. If you think about that concept of rucking and carrying weight, it's a lot less impressive than deadlifting a thousand pounds. No, I'm just, I'm going to put 20 pounds in my backpack and I'm just going to walk and that's going to be my exercise, right? It's not impressive at all. It's, it's really kind of boring if you think about it to just put weight in a backpack and walk, but it's a different mindset. It's a different type of exercise. Deadlifting is impressive, but it's not sustainable, is it? And God wants us to live by carrying weight that is sustainable. Here's kind of a, a mindset around the exercise called rucking. It says, while walking with something heavy, heavy looks very simple, there's a lot more going on than when you're simply lifting a bar up and down. Carrying a heavy load requires your body to stabilize and brace itself. It has to do that with every step you take. This is especially true when you're carrying an odd object, something that's not uniform in size, shape, or density. Carrying heavy weight is a skill that must be practiced and developed. There's a certain amount of physical endurance, but also mental endurance that goes along with carrying weight. When you pick up weight with the intention of carrying it, you're making the choice that Regardless if it gets heavy, regardless if it gets uncomfortable, regardless if it causes me a little bit of pain or inconvenience, I'm not going to put it down. There's a different mindset around carrying weight than lifting weight. Anybody want to know what one of the heaviest objects in the world is? A newborn baby. If you're a parent, you know what I'm talking about because you've probably spent six hours of an eight-hour night's sleep carrying a little seven-pound baby in your arms, right? Anybody ever done that before? You'll know from experience that whenever you're a new parent, that baby will feel like the heaviest thing in the world because whether you like it or not, you can't put it down, can you? But after a while, you start to develop something called mom and dad strength, right? And you can, you often find yourself, whereas it used to take everything to just hold that baby and not drop them because your arms were tired. Well, then a couple of months later, you can just go about your day carrying that baby in one arm and doing the other things that you got to do one handed because you're used to it. You're carrying it. And it's definitely odd. It's definitely not a, uh, you know, something that, that just fits. You learn, you learn how a baby's supposed to go and where to carry him best and where it works for you and all this stuff. And they got slings that you put around your neck and like backpacks that you put on your back and put the baby in the backpack and all kinds of stuff. But the point is, when you're a new parent, it's like that's all you can do is say, this is, I just got to carry my baby and I can't do anything else, right? The first six weeks of being a new parent is like, all I can do is take care of this baby. I don't have any time or 
or energy or mental capacity for anything else in my life besides this baby. But then you start to get used to that weight. You start to get used to that strain. And now, I mean, you'll see mamas with, with a four-year-old on their hip just because they got to. You know, the kid's having a bad day and they carry him around and, hey, come on. We, we're going to go to work and do what we got to do, right? And it's odd and it's heavy. But you're making a choice as a parent to not put it down. Until you're a parent, you don't really know how impressive that is, right? We're impressed with lifting a thousand pounds, right? We're impressed with, with doing these big hard things that, that seem amazing. But you really don't have a good appreciation for what parents go through until you become one. Because there's nothing like staying up literally all night long and then leaving at 7 a.m. to go to work in the morning when you haven't gotten any sleep. And when you see new parents at work and you've been a parent before, you know that look in their eyes. You're like, you're going to make it. You're going to make it. So for people who have been there and done that, you know how impressive it is to carry that weight of a newborn baby. In the kingdom, God is thankful for the weight that you lift. But he is more interested in how much weight you can carry without the intention of putting it back down right away. I want you to know that both carrying weight and lifting weight are necessary in the kingdom of God. They are both necessary. But carrying weight always involves a different level of maturity and commitment. What does carrying weight look like practically in our lives? I want to share with you kind of an example that, that we've just experienced lately here as a church. Last week, we celebrated a group of people that went to, uh, to West Crowley and on West Hutchinson handed out food all morning long on Saturday at the food bank, right? We appreciate all you guys that did that. We thank you. Hopefully, y'all saw pictures on Facebook. We shared a couple of pictures last week. The screen was a little bit dark, but if you missed them, the pictures are on Facebook. They look really good, and we're just thankful for those people from our church. I think it was like 20 or 25 people that went and served and helped hand out groceries to people in Acadia Parish that are in need. We appreciate all of you that did that. It was tremendous, and we're excited as a church to be involved in that. But there's a couple of men specifically that I know of that didn't just volunteer that one Saturday. They've been involved in this thing for months. They've made it a priority in their lives to, to not only serve on Saturdays, but to, to communicate with the people at the food bank, to see what needs there are, to, to wrap their head around how we can make it better, to plug themselves in and see how we as a church can involve ourselves in this ministry and help make it successful and these guys, they, they are doing more than just lifting weight. They are carrying the weight of serving at this food bank. They have made a decision, and I know this because I've spoken to them personally, and I've heard them commit with their words that they are going to see this thing through. There's a different level of commitment and maturity there. Now, I want you to understand, I am not at all downplaying those that went and served and lifted weight quite literally, right, lifted weight 
helping these, you know, these people receive their groceries. Both are necessary because those few men, those three or four or five men that are, that are carrying the weight of our church's involvement with this food bank ministry, they cannot do it alone. They need people to come and lift weight with them on a volunteer basis, on kind of a, a special occasion basis, so that they can continue to sustain themselves carrying the weight of the other activities involved in it. Both are important, both are necessary, but one of them requires a different level of spiritual maturity and commitment, doesn't it? Carrying weight and lifting weight are not the same thing. Here's a different kind of facet to that mindset that I want to bring into that conversation is that lifting weight prepares your muscles to be able to carry more weight. So those of you that lifted weight last week on Saturday, you built a little bit of spiritual muscle by sacrificing your time, by going and getting involved in something outside of the norm. It may have been inconvenient for you. You may have had a you know, a tough week, but you made the decision to go on Saturday anyway and volunteer and lift weight spiritually, right? So you built a little bit of spiritual muscle. A desire that we have here at this church is that you will practice lifting weight so that you eventually grow in maturity to the point where we can say, here, this is yours to carry, I want you to know that those men that are carrying the weight of the food bank right now, their desire is to see people begin to lift weight at the food bank to the point that they build the spiritual muscle that they can start to hand some of those responsibilities off to other people so that they can carry the weight. That is what spiritual growth and maturity looks like. So just in general, spiritually, for us, lifting weight for you as a, as a member of this church right now, lifting weight for you may look like just coming to church with your family every week. You're building spiritual muscle. You're building spiritual discipline. Lifting weight for you right now may look like joining a life group, right? You're going to make a commitment to go to a life group every week. You're lifting spiritual weight you're building spiritual muscle lifting weight may look like volunteering the help at the food bank right you're lifting weight you're building spiritual muscle and those are not small things i want you to understand that lifting those weights are vital and important to your development as a believer but carrying weight carrying weight looks a little bit different Carrying weight looks like stepping up and bringing your family to church and leading them spiritually at home. Carrying weight looks like leading a life group instead of just attending one. Carrying weight looks like joining the dream team and serving week in and week out as part of the regular rotation of people that, that do this at our church. These are all activities that carry weight and serve others while freeing up leaders to find what other weight they can be carrying. I want you to know that until someone depends on you regularly for something to happen, 
you are not carrying weight. That's just a, a clear distinction between lifting weight and carrying weight. Lifting weight is, I call you up, I say, hey, can you come help me this one time? Yes, I'll be there, I got you. Carrying weight is, here, I'm handing the responsibility of this activity to you, and, and we're just going to expect, without speaking every week, that it's going to get done. That is what carrying weight looks like. It's two different distinctions there. And what we just described is basically discipleship 101. As a leader who carries weight in the church, we will invite you to come and lift weight with us one time so that you can kind of see how it feels. Build a little bit of spiritual muscle. I may do this a few times until I see that you're handling the lifting of that weight well. And then after I see you handling that, that weight well and you're building that spiritual maturity, you're building that spiritual discipline, then I will invite you to carry a little bit of the weight that I've invited you to lift, right? As you accept that weight and begin to carry it, then I will watch you for a little while, make sure that you have what you need, make sure that you're performing successfully in the role that you've been asked to carry that weight and then I'm just going to turn over responsibility of it to you I may check in every now and then but hey you lifted the weight you carried the weight under my supervision for a little while now you're kind of set free to lead to grow to carry that weight right as you begin to carry that weight then something comes off of my plate right then I go and look for other things that I can influence, that I can pick up, that I can carry either from the leaders that are above me, either from Pastor JJ or, or the other, you know, the, the members of our team. I'm going to look for other things that, that I can take off of their plate so that I can carry them. Or I'm going to go and look for things that are, that are just not being picked up at all right now. And I'm going to start to carry things that, that have not been touched. This is discipleship 101. And then eventually you, as you continue to carry that weight, will invite someone else to lift weight with you one time, right? And as you're carrying that weight, you'll invite that same person a couple of times to come and lift that weight with you until you can hand off that responsibility for them to carry. And that's a never-ending process of discipleship. A great example of this biblically, biblically is in Acts chapter 6, verse 1 to 7. And I don't have a slide for this. I'm just going to read it really quickly. It says, but as the believers rapidly multiplied, there was rumblings of discontent. The Greek-speaking believers complained about the Hebrew-speaking believers, saying that their widows were being discriminated against in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 disciples called a meeting of all the believers, and they said, we apostles should not spend our time, should spend our time teaching the word of God, not running a food program. And so, brothers, let's select seven men who are well-respected and full of the spirit and wisdom, and we will give them this responsibility. Then we apostles can spend our time in prayer and teaching the word. Everyone liked this idea, and they chose the following. Stephen, Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, I guess, uh, Parmenius, and... Nicholas of Antioch. These seven were presented to the apostles 
who prayed for them as they laid their hands on them. And so God's message continued to spread, and the number of believers greatly increased in Jerusalem, and many of the Jewish priests were converted too. Now, neither of these jobs were more important than one another, right? One cannot happen without the other. If they don't have someone to hand out the food, then the Hebrew believers and the Greek believers, there was starting to be some discontent among them because of that. And so it was important that, that these people all got served well. And because the apostles had so much responsibility on their plates, they were struggling to do it all well. So they handed over the responsibility to seven mature sons to carry the weight so that they could build the kingdom just in different ways. Not in better ways, but in different ways. And what happened as a result of that? After they handed off that weight to the seven men to hand out the food and distribute it evenly, God's message continued to spread. The number of believers increased in their city and religion was cast down and true faith was built up. Because seven men grew in spiritual maturity to the point of carrying weight. If you've been here for any amount of time, you've heard Pastor JJ say recently that our church will grow at the pace of our discipleship. This, is, this, this, this section of Acts chapter 6 is a perfect example of exactly what Pastor JJ is talking about. There is a, a huge need in our community for people to know Jesus Christ, is there not? There's a, there's a harvest in our parish. There's plenty of opportunity for people to come to know Jesus Christ. But our church is not going to grow if we depend on a few people carrying a tremendously heavy weight. That is not how churches grow. We will, however, grow whenever believers in our church grow in maturity and faith by lifting weight until they grow comfortable with a commitment to carry weight. We have big dreams at this church, right? And we have a great staff. Pastor JJ, Pastor Esther, Natalie, Gabe, they are permanent staff members at this church that are all carrying weight for our church. In addition to that, we have several volunteer leaders in our church who week in, week out, they carry weight for this church and, and hold responsibility behind the scenes that, that many of you probably never know about, right? But there's an opportunity here for our church to continue to grow. And there's an entire community of people that need to know Jesus. And here's the truth. Growth as a church adds numbers to our congregation. Adding numbers to our congregation adds weight of responsibility of people that need to be cared for. And without additional people carrying weight, not just lifting weight, but carrying weight faithfully and responsibly, we cannot handle the growth that God desires for this church. If you've been here, if you've been a part of this church, if you've, if you've been here for a while, you probably share the desire that our church would continue to grow and get better. 
But in order for that to happen, you have to grow into a mature child of God that carries weight. It doesn't have to be more weight than you can handle. It doesn't have to be a soul-crushing weight. It doesn't have to be an unsustainable weight. But if you want to see our church grow, you have to commit to carrying weight. Because biblically, that's what mature sons and daughters of God do. Now for us, we've been in this series now, Kingdom Culture, for seven weeks. This is the seventh week. And you've seen that there are many facets of this. And this is a growth process. So maybe you're not there yet. Maybe, you know, we talked in the beginning how there's different stages of that maturity in, in the kingdom of God. You know, maybe you're, you're just an infant when it comes to all of this. Maybe you're a new believer or you just joined the church. I'm not expecting you to, to, to carry weight right now. That's not how God works. We already talked about how God gives us an opportunity to practice and grow, right? So if you're, if you're a new believer here or if you just joined the church, I'm asking you to look for places where you can become a growing disciple, where you can become an apprentice, where you can be someone who is sitting under teaching and learning what it's like to be a true disciple of God. But if you've been here for a while, I want to challenge you that, that if you're not currently lifting weight, but you've been an apprentice or a disciple for a while, maybe it's time for you to start lifting weight. And if you've been here for a while and you've been a part of the team and you've been lifting weight, the next step for you is to carry weight. To pick up something and say, I'm not putting this down. This is mine. I'm here. I'm faithfully committed to it and I'm not going to let it go. And no matter if it gets uncomfortable, no matter if, it, if it's inconvenient sometimes, I'm going to carry this weight. Because that's what maturity looks like. And in reality, that's what this entire series has been about. is about learning what God's spiritual kingdom is supposed to look like so that we can line ourselves up with it and continue to grow in maturity. But the call that God has that we are all reaching towards as a commitment as a believer is that you would eventually become a mature son and you would carry weight. You would become a mature child of God. So let's pray. I just want to start off today with everybody's head bowed and every, every eye closed. If you're in this place today and maybe this is all new to you, you haven't been involved in this for very long and you have never made a commitment to God of any sort that first step of maturity for you today is is to make a commitment to be a child of God and so just quite simply if, if you don't have a relationship with God if you don't have never made a commitment to God and you're kind of at the beginning beginning right now I want to invite you to just lift your hand to make a commitment to God if, if you feel him calling you to do that today give you a couple of seconds if you're making that choice just lift your hand high so we can see it and pray for you and then the second thing that I would pray for today is for you guys to properly assess where you are at 
in this journey today as far as the other steps we talked about. Are you currently just a kind of a, a baby spiritually in Christ and you're just learning what this looks like? Then I would invite you to, to become a part of what God is doing by being an apprentice like we talked about, by joining a life group, by getting involved in a team, by starting to lift a little bit of weight. That's all in that apprenticeship season for you if that's where you're at today. And then the last thing that, that I'm going to pray for is that if you've been here and you've kind of been a permanent member of this church for a while, I want you to also assess where you are. Remember we talked about in the beginning that spiritual maturity is not indicated by how long you've been here or how much you know or how much influence you have. Spiritual maturity is indicated by carrying weight in the kingdom. And so I want you to just assess for yourself today, am I carrying weight in the kingdom? Am I showing that level of maturity? Because ultimately that's what God is calling us all to. So that's the invitation today. And I'm going to pray really quickly for all of those. God, I thank you. I thank you first of all that you're a good God. I thank you that you show us how to walk and, and how to, to live in steps, God. You don't always lead us in leaps and bounds. God, you don't ask us to, to, to jump before we look. God, you, you ask us to just trust you in faith and walk. And you lead us in steps, God, and you give us the opportunity to practice. God, but it's important as believers that we uphold that value of growing that our church has. We believe in growth. We believe in, in seeing maturity. God, and there's a higher calling on each of our lives to carry weight as mature sons and daughters. So today, God, we just take a moment to assess ourselves and see where we're at on all of this and what you're asking us to do. God, maybe we've just been kind of bystanders and observing what's going on. And you're asking us to, to, to say yes and to get involved by joining a life group or by joining a, a, you know, a, the dream team and, and going the next step in the coming weeks, God. God, or maybe we've been here for a while and we've kind of just gotten comfortable and, and just enjoyed the truth and the blessing of this church, God. God, I pray that today, if we're in that situation, that you would call us to become a little bit uncomfortable with that. And you would help us as mature sons to, to pick up some weight and to carry it, God. To grow in that level of maturity to grow towards what you've called us to. Thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen.